welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast, all one word, dot com. This week we're talking about the debut LP from Prism Bitch called Perla, and it starts out with a song called In and Out. piece from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I first became aware of them when you had them on your list for to see at South by Southwest in 2019, which was sadly the last year that there was a South by Southwest, and it was an early afternoon show. I think it was like the first show of the evening. Yeah, it was uh, maybe like 4.30 or 5 or something. Awkward time. Yeah, and it was at Cellars Underground, which is this kind of weird underground, like literally underground disco club. So it was really dark and there weren't that many people because it was an earlier show and some people were still having dinner or whatever. And they put on such an energetic, fun live show and they were such great musicians and they just really sold it to this audience of maybe 15 people and we were two of them. And they just really stayed in my mind because they were put on such a great show. Yeah, they were really a standout. Um, I think that was, you know, 2019, I think was a good year for them. They put on these amazing performances at South by Southwest and then had a opening slot on the Built to to Spill tour that year and were kind of on an upswing and decided that after doing these kind of self-produced, self-released albums in Albuquerque, or EPs rather, Mm -hmm. EPs and singles, that they would go ahead, go to LA, book some real studio time, and work with the producer Toshi Kasai, who I guess has worked with Foo Fighters, The Melvins, Helmet, which I'd almost forgotten was a band. So this is just the step up in polished production, but it doesn't in any way diminish the high energy of the band. They have a combination of hard rock sensibilities when they get going on the guitar. I think at various points, they have two front women who's, uh, I guess, Lila Rose, who plays keyboards and guitar, but also Lauren Poole on bass. But then at various points, they can have another full-time guitarist and a sometimes visiting guitarist, Nelson Crane. So up to three guitars at once. And so when they want to unleash the rock, they certainly can. But this is such a perfect balance of the poppy 
kind of synth driven and not afraid of being kind of repetitive with that catchy chorus about just desire and like, ah, you, you know, this trying to deal with this relationship stuff. And then the hard rock attack and they both work together. It's such a great uh, statement of we are here. We are a real band and we are ready to rock your socks off. But what I love about this record is there's such a variation in just tone and style. And so the next song we'll play is called Lonely Nights, and it's a very different sort of feel. good idea for a band that feels like they've got this one attempt to make their professionally produced first album to really spread their wings and show what they can do and prison bitch does that in such a big way here that we went from pretty modern pop rock on that first track there's actually a couple other songs that i think kind of fall into similar vein and here it's like hey we're gonna go do this like super rockabilly song Mm -hmm. for most of the track but that combined with this almost i don't know how to describe the vocals it has kind of that glam vibe from sabrina ellis of a of a giant dog and sweet spirit where it's almost like very theatrical and um and then switches into this um total jam band guitar and organ like kind of psych rock at the end and even within that, the structurally, it seems like this kind of poppy, straightforward song, but structurally, it's like first chorus, first chorus, and then suddenly we hear the same bridge ends up taking over and becomes the dominant vibe of the song. We end up hearing it three times, again, with the aforementioned uh, jam section. So it's it's a really fun song. It takes us on a trip. It shows what this band can do. And with a phenomenal drums by Teresa Esguera, like all of the drums throughout this record are terrific and so high energy. But when you talk about the operatic vocals, my understanding is that this band started when Lauren and Chris met doing theater. And so they have this kind of theatrical background and actually started with the idea of doing a band as like a performance project. And then it turned into a real band. And you can really feel the performance oriented sensibility it's very 
kind of just fun and theatrical and performative. Yeah, I love the origin story. And yeah, they definitely have that attention to the performance. Like uh, all of their photo shoots, they kind of have different like outfits. And when they perform, it's often in, you know, leaning into the prism. They're all wearing different colored tracksuits. They have a lot, a visual flair in addition to a sonic flair here. You know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of this, like the rockabilly style, but they're, they do it so well I really like and it's song, super, though. super fun. Yeah, no, this, this song is a standout. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing first album. It's just, I think standout after standout and in so many different styles because we go from this kind of rockabilly into a very kind of bluesy track uh, on the next one. It's called Wasting Time. Don't you know it's gotta be okay? from smaller cities tend to be more interesting because when you live in Brooklyn or LA there are enough people who make similar music or like the same genre as yours that you're able to coalesce around these scenes but when you're in a smaller town or a smaller city there just aren't that many bands and so you end up sharing bills and doing a lot of cross-pollination and sharing members with bands that are very a very different style than yours and so I think you end up being exposed to a broader range of influences and I really I don't know if that's the case with Prison Bitch but that's the feel that I get from this record there's just a ton of different influences and genres happening on this record and it's there's a ton of variety well I think they've talked in interviews about how because they all bring different stuff to the table that that does influence the songwriting and I think it just has something as simple as the fact that they have at any given time two to three different guitarists plus occasional guests on top of that and that there's such different guitar styles often within a single song and I think that extends not just to the playing but also the songwriting and here yeah I think this you know I described this as bluesy and yeah it has this kind of you know mid to low tempo uh just vibe this sort of song of longing and heartache and after we come out of here and it's really state i think one of the more consistent songs on the album they then tack on an outro that's this weird up-tempo minor key kind of new agey i I don't know how to or not new New wave new wave new wavy (laughs) sorry but it's kind of new wave uh just jam at the end that feels like it's from another song and yet it really puts a nice capper on it and their ability to pull that off 
yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's a lot of moments where you can tell they had an idea that didn't it wasn't really enough for its own song, but then they'll kind of find a way to work it into a different song, and it just it adds a lot of depth and nuance to these songs. Yeah, and I, I think they are not afraid to try different stuff with yeah, you know, and like putting crazy ideas into one song. And then doing, I think, a trick I have not seen done. Like, I can't remember seeing this where we're coming into the middle of the album, which I think nominally has 11 songs, but really the sixth and seventh song are one long song, except that track six ends up side one and then track seven ends up or starts off side two. And so creates this additional piece of cohesion even if you're listening digitally and there are no sides and uh you know we won't talk we won't play this the that track six because it's just an instrumental called one roman numeral one but then this next song we'll play we'll drop it into that seventh track roman numeral two tell me about it stud getting one hundred dollars a song brings such a smile to my face i mean my favorite band is slater kinney and i feel like i'm really delighted that in the many different sounds that this band can capture especially in that first verse i think the combination of those vocals and the guitar work i feel like it's corin and carrie from the woods kind of outtake like it has that vibe and even the fact that i feel like all, all the other songs have been very a little more kind of personal just like about love and personal feelings and here's a little more like talking about uh working hard to make a buck in this capitalist system so i think even like conceptually it feels like that the the there was an interview that i read where they they were asked what band they would want to um, open for and the different members listed variously the beatles new order joan jett and slater guinea so there's obviously some influence there oh for sure for sure and i but then i also love that it then it starts off taking itself very seriously and then it ends up in this ridiculous joke of like hey do you know that one youtube song and then they unleash it goes you know, rah, it goes rah, like rah. this and it's super <laughs> super heavy rock mm-hmm. and you know i'm the fact that the producer what has worked with helmet i'm like yeah okay this is that hard rock just sludgy sound and they nail it and i love that this band can do kind of pop rock and blues 
and rockabilly and also do just straight up hard rock and even metal on some of these tracks like it is a remarkable range and they do it all really well it, it yeah i mean on one level this oh the song's kind of jo- a joke and yeah yet i was it's, gonna say it's it's it it really draws the line or it rides the line really effectively between a song that almost seems jokey and that is genuinely a good like jam out song oh my goodness yeah this i i I love that this is the centerpiece of the album Mm -hmm. and i love yeah that they're able to combine these influences so successfully and rock the hell out in such a great way yeah it's sequenced really well i feel like we skipped a couple of the songs in the beginning not because i i feel like every track on this album is good and rewards repeated listens but some of them kind of were uh in the same vein of what we wanted to talk about but uh, but each of the songs kind of takes you on a journey through the album and from a the first track really draws you in and then we have this in the middle that straddles the flip side if you're listening to the vinyl. And then even towards the end, you know, the last track is a really great outro track and it kind of takes you off into space. Yeah, I do appreciate, though, that yeah, I think after we really they lean in hard into the rock, we do go into a popular direction as we go into the home stretch on the album. On I think the next track we'll play is called Heathers. Life's still walking down the road. I don't know. testament to the fact that Heathers is an enduring film because even though it was made in 1989 it probably predates everybody in this band or at least they were too young to have enjoyed it when it came out but it still has the persistent like mean girls aesthetic that resonates so well with I think a lot of women yeah this song is so poppy I really appreciate that this is where and I I think the vocalists I haven't quite figured out necessarily which vocalist is which. They both, I think, have different voices, but I well, haven't all mastered. all three of them. Well, I think um, the two leads do the vast majority of the vocals. Well, and it's tough because if you watch their videos, a lot of the time they will be kind of voicing the words. You know, like they'll all trade off in voicing the vocals, but it's clearly not the person who is singing. So it's tough to identify who's singing. Yeah, exactly. So I'll just say the vocals here by one of the members of the band uh, I think this is some of the prettiest singing. Like it is so poppy with like really 
like a lot of vibrato and kind of even this melisma and it's like really very cutesy and and it's being put in the service like the prettiest vocals are for like i'm effing bitchy i'm a bitch it's it's so playful and it's also i think part of the mission statement of this band is they're trying to reclaim the word bitch even if it's you know it's slightly problematic here because it is sort of about you know not great female relationships and they're using that word but how are they reclaiming it but there is something triumphant where she she says, no, I'm a bit. And it's it isn't like a self-loathing. It is a triumphant statement. Well, and it's very much this song is very much in the voice of teenage girls and, you know, writing about things in their diary and having these problematic relationships. Yeah. And then I think slightly undercutting it is in that chorus. We hear this kind of creepy male voice come in. It's like think about me and it's just so out of place and it's this like weird kind of undercurrent that's added into this otherwise very poppy song and i'm not quite sure what to make of it but i like that they're not afraid to like let's throw something weird in here and yeah get people a little off kilter i really love though this bridge there's just such cool little drum textures like Teresa mm-hmm. scare really it she can lay down a driving beat and she can also do really Nice textural stuff here. Uh, very impressive. And hand claps, too. Are yeah. That's good. So the next song we'll play is my favorite on this record, and it's called Starlight. That's some impressive guitar solos contributed by Doug Marsh of Built to Spill, which it was nice of him, presumably after they toured together, to add some contributions to this album. Yeah, it's always nice to see, you know, when there's an up-and-coming band and then a more established band kind of takes them under the wing and really boosts them and supports them having the yeah. tour, guesting on there. And, a, I mean, the, the admiration is clearly there in that 
uh, it's really sad to read articles from right before the pandemic locked yeah. everything down that Built to Spill was going to tour and they had actually added Teresa Escara as their touring drummer. Oh, wow. And and you see all these tour dates for 2020, none of which happened. So, yeah. Well, they and, and many other bands that were right on the verge of really breaking out. Yeah, and it's just that thing about momentum that it's like, yeah, they had this amazing 2019 and they clearly you just get the sense that they, they had this amazing 2019 they toured they recorded this album i think in 2019 and were really getting ready to break out and everything got put on hold but they powered through they put this you know they put the album together they put it out i think it's self-released but who cares it sounds amazing and with the internet you don't need a record label if you've got good word of mouth and they made a lot of really cute videos that are yeah. I highly recommend you check out. And, you know, you can't see them live. But you can get a sense of their visual energy and it's great. And this song is such a bid for like, we are going to be a big touring band. This is a sing along. It's this cosmic energy. It's all, you know, really trying to get into you know, we're, we're deep. It's like, we're all going to die, but just you've got to live your life. And it's so in its way, very appropriate, like that they really faced a lot of hardship. We all did, but we just have to roll with it and keep going. And I think this entire end of the album is all about like, here, you just have to under accept the world as it is and keep going and just do what you can. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing track. The guitar solos are fantastic. All the guitar workers, everything is so good. This, the vocals where they built up, then there's the kind of bridges or that, I guess, even like the chorus, guitar solos, chorus and changes key. And it just gets dark, but even more energetic. This is an amazing song. And I think a bid for, we are a band to watch. You talk about the universal themes as there was a, interview that I read where this, their kind of statement about the significance of this album and what it means to them and they one of them said we'd love it if this album could be something you put on when you feel low or uninspired we've all been there music is the universal way to feel better we hope this album is like your best friend or warm blanket you can reach out to also we want you to have a good time yeah and I think they delivered on all fronts from this soaring Inspiration, inspirational track. I think we explore some of the similar similar themes in a little more uh, intimate way on the next track, the penultimate song, Around. appreciate the fact that these last few songs really hint at a lot of universal themes and kind of the 
earlier songs are more light and fun and this kind of the feeling of you've gone with us so far along this journey and now we're going to kind of take you on a little bit more uh more higher minded themes i don't know it's a it's a really good way to end the album yeah we get this great pair of tracks where starlight is so cosmic and here we get much more down to earth but they're both takes on impermanence and loss and i love this kind of combining the bluesy and theatrical strains of the styles that we've heard in the earlier tracks and then adding in, I think a slide guitar we haven't heard earlier in the track. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, this great vibe and yeah, it's a little bit contemplative and sad, but I think is a great way to catch our breath coming to the end of this album. That's been really intense. And this band that this should be a breakout hit and the times have been so crazy. Right now, they're booked for what one uh, music festival in Boise in the fall. Well, this was just released in yeah. March, so give it time. Yeah, I really want to see these folks tour. It would be great to see them headline. This album deserves it. They are that good. It would be great to see them come to San Francisco. Yes, and keep our fingers crossed. And in the meantime, uh, we are doing our part to try and spread the word. This is a you know they're not getting a lot of hype. I don't know why. I th- I think they deserve it. So. I think let's celebrate this album and celebrate that it ends contemplative and then going into just almost like a hair metal fist pumping, get going and conquer the world kind of track. And so that we'll go out with that. That's the last track. It's the last track on the album and the last song we'll play. And it's called One Shot. And we've been discussing Prism Bitch and their debut full length Perla. And you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks so much for listening. You come back like a hazard I've seen it Who's got the medallion? Who's got the fire within? Looked out, looked out before Looking at myself like I'm looking in the mirror This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.